those of you who don't know me, I'm Roy Moran, and uh, I, uh, I, I think we need a little bit of a, a program here to tell the players so we can understand what's gone on. I mean, you, you met a bunch of these rock stars up here, right? Um, but when the story starts uh, of Jesus' birth, um, the shepherds are out in the fields, and it, it's good to know that the shepherds are really... Uh, they're like the people who are in the cheap seats. I mean, they're, they're not the emperor of, of Rome. They're not uh, in, in any way near the front of the room. They're in the very back. And so when Jesus comes, uh, God decides to, to give some of the, what might be considered in societal ways, the, the least of these. I, I don't know about how you are. Uh, David invited you guys up to meet some of the band afterwards, and you might be one of those people that just rush up and you know, shake people's hands and that kind of stuff, or you might you know, be a little hesitant and that kind of stuff, but you know, it's interesting when you meet uh, celebrities or people that are well-known by other people, um, one of the things for some people, not all of them, but, but for some people it's like, wow, they're just re- re- regular people. I mean, they're just really regular people. Like, one time I was in the lobby of a hotel in Chicago, and there was this guy there. His name was Karsten Solheim. Now, some of you just went, wow. Others of you are going, who the? Karsten Solheim. He like, uh, he, he's, he's the, if you ever heard of Ping Golf Clubs, he's that guy. He was an engineer and invented a putter and then built golf clubs. And now his, you know, Ping's one of the bigger manufacturers of golf clubs. He's just standing there. And um, I'm, you know, kind of walk up to him and say, hey, Mr. Mr. Solheim, uh, I'm I'm Roy Moran. I know you don't know who I am, but uh, I just uh, wondered if you had a few moments here. He's standing there by himself doing nothing. And so I asked him because it was at that period in history when he and the um, PGA and the USGA were locked in a major court case about square grooves and golf clubs. Uh, again, I know I've lost most of you, okay? <laughs> I, I realize that, you know, just because I'm crazy about golf, you don't know. You know uh, and, and he happened to, to win that, that court case. And what was interesting is, is he reached into his pocket and he pulled out some visual aids. And for the next 30 minutes, I got a Ph.D. in grooves in golf clubs. Uh, He was just a regular guy who was passionate about his craft. And he was just, he was easy to approach. Not everybody's like that. You know, a lot of people have entourages around them and they keep them away. But in this story, we're looking at this time of year, the story of Jesus. uh, There was no entourage uh, in, in fact, the people who were out in the fields, normal, every, average, everyday people were called to be front row, to be there, to be a part of that, and, and to be a part of experiencing that. You know, I think about the humor in this story. Um, if, you, if you think about it, you're out in the fields and angels show up. And first of all, when angels show up, you know, um, I don't know what you would do, but, you know, I might lose some of my bodily functions or something, you know, and, and, uh, but, but he says, you'll find a baby wrapped in a blanket. Yeah, yeah, right. 
You know, how many babies were born in Bethlehem that, you know, at that time? You know, hundreds at least, I'm sure. It's a big city. Um, and then lying in a manger. Now, that's a clue. He's, he's in a feeding trough. We're going to have to find a, a, a baby in a barn someplace. And so they head off to, to find these folks. You know, it's uh, interesting when we see the, the, the picture. They even took selfies back then. I'm sure you've all got one in your house. You know, selfie of the manger, you know, that kind of stuff. They're all there. Um, and they all seem to be facing the right direction, so you can take a picture of them, you know. Um, but, but there was an approachability in, in, in that. There's a sense in which you get a chance to manipulate those little characters and move them in and out of your manger scene. There's an approachability that comes. You feel like you're a part of the story. But unfortunately, this story, only this time of year has that feel. Many of us, for many of us, this is a ceremonial thing. In fact, I would bet there's more than a few of you that are here tonight against your will. You were dragged here. And, and you were saying things like, oh, if I go in there, the, you know, the, the, the ceiling will fall down if I go into a church building or something like that. You know, you're saying all that kind of crap, you know. But the fact is, is that too many of us, for too much of the year, relate to this story and the truths that sit behind this story as something that's ceremonial. When in fact... This story is all about God wanting to move us from ceremony to conversation. It's God lowering the barriers so that we might understand why he would come and be with us. That's the beautiful name that is given in the book of Isaiah when the prophecies about Jesus hundreds of years before his birth were uttered. Those prophecies said, a virgin will give birth. And, and his name, sorry I'm busy. Um, <laughs> do you love those scam calls? They have no idea what you do for a living. You know? A virgin will give birth. And his name will be called Emmanuel. God with us. God didn't give himself that name and announce that he would come in the form of a baby. He didn't come to have a ceremonial relationship with us. He came to have a conversational relationship. He came to have this kind of up-close and personal relationship. One that allows us to experience what it's like to have God with us. Dallas Willard, one of my favorite spiritual writers, writes a story or tells a story about a little boy who lost his mother. And so at night, when he would go to bed, as a young child, he had a hard time sleeping. And so oftentimes he would get up and go into his father's room and lay down in his father's bed. And as they were laying there asleep, the son would talk to his dad. And he would say, Dad, are you looking at me? Are you looking at me? Because he would be laying with his face away from his father, and his father would be laying there, and he wouldn't know. But he would take great comfort in knowing that his father was looking at him. And his father would say, yes, son, I I'm, I'm looking at you. You see, we, we have a, a God in heaven who, who's looking at us. 
In, in fact, I would venture to say in modern times, you're on God's screensaver. He, he is interested in the details of your life. And so he comes as a child in a manger. There's a story in the Bible that uh, comes really early in the book of Genesis. It's a story about a couple of twins, Jacob and Esau. And one of them is kind of a mother's boy, and one of them is kind of a father's boy. And so Esau's the guy who's out, you know, who can never be found during deer season, you know. And, and, and Jacob's the guy who's, who's spending more time at home growing crops and all that kind of stuff. And, and as the story goes, uh, Jacob uh, is the younger of the twins. But yet um, his mother gets a prophecy that he, that, that he will get the birthright. And as things get really tense in, in their father's life and it looks like he's going to die, Jacob decides to take things in his own hands, dress up like his brother, and goes in and gets his father to give him the birthright that, that really should be, in, in terms of their culture, given to the older son. And he steals it from his brother. His brother finds out. His brother's not happy. And so Jacob realizes that while he's got shovels and plows and hoes, his brother has guns. And so he, he heads out of town. He runs. And we pick up the story in Genesis 28 as Jacob's running from his brother because he has stolen his birthright. He didn't have anything with him. And so he just lays down in the middle of the night to sleep someplace. And he pulls up a stone and he puts a stone as a, as a pillow. And he lays down and he goes to sleep. And for those of you that grew up in any kind of church, you, you may remember singing a song about climbing Jacob's ladder because it's at this moment that Jacob has this dream, this dream of, of heaven coming down to earth and, and this ladder of angels climbing up and down. And it's got a lot of meaning to it and it deserves to have its own time to be explained, but the thing I want to take from this story is just one simple moment. When Jacob arises from this dream, he says in verse 16 of Genesis 28, he says, surely, surely God was here. He knew that this dream was this moment. God was here. God was with him. Now, imagine for a moment his state. He didn't feel really clean. He felt pretty dirty. He had just swindled his brother out of his birthright. He had just lied to his father. He was running for his life. It wasn't like he really felt like he was, you know, top-notch citizen. He was kind of scum of the earth at this moment. But when he laid down to go to sleep, he has this dream. And in it, he discovers that God is with him. But he says this at the very end of verse 16. He says, Surely God is in this place, but I didn't see it. Surely God is in this place, but I didn't see it. You know, if we move through life with a ceremonial relationship with some type of three-letter person we call God... We might be just like Jacob. We, we might be existing in a place, in a life that seems sort of ordinary and not too spiritual. 
and discover at the end of it that surely God is in this place, but, but we may not know it. We may not understand it. We, we, we may not realize it. You see, uh, we live in a material world, and from the moment we are born, we're taught to think as if the world is just nothing more than material. And, and it's, it's the rare moment in life that a child gets a kind of, of environment to grow up in where the spiritual is as important as the material. And so our training, all of our senses, all of our, everything that God has given us gets trained in the material things, but the spiritual things, they, they tend to, to atrophy as we grow older. And we don't use those spiritual muscles, and so we live lives in which God is with us, but we don't know it. We don't know it. So I wonder if this Christmas it's uh, an opportunity for us to think about moving, taking a little bit of a journey. Joseph and Mary took a journey to get to Bethlehem. The shepherds out in their fields at night had to take a journey into Bethlehem to find this little baby wrapped in a blanket. I wonder if it's, it's important for you and I to take a journey. A journey from having a ceremonial relationship with the God of the Bible to discovering what it looks like to have a conversational relationship with Him. What it looks like to pause, to take a deep breath and ask ourselves, where do I see God in my day? Where do I see God in my life? Or maybe a question that I want to ask you, where do you want to see God? Where do you want to see God? As we end tonight, um, there's a Christmas tree up here. And on it, it has some ornaments. And these ornaments have a, a, a little piece of uh, wood, a little slate here. And I want to invite you tonight, if maybe your family needs to see God someplace, to come up and grab one of these ornaments. There's some pins over here on these two tables beside us here. And just to take a moment to, to drive a stake in the ground on Christmas Eve 2022 and to say, we need God in this area of our life. I need God in this area of our life. We've got some stuff. We're going to sing some more songs and some stuff. So you've got plenty of time to move up here, to move down from the balcony if you'd like, and, and grab an ornament and take a pin and just take a moment to memorialize this evening. You see, when Jacob laid his head down on that stone, you might think, I don't know if I, I would, you know, if I had to use a stone as a pillow, I would curse the stone. I mean, I would not... But Joseph, when he got up in the morning, because he came to the conclusion that's like, surely God is in this place. But I didn't know it. And he didn't want to forget that. He didn't want to forget the lesson that's learned, so he grabbed that stone and some other stones, and he built an altar. He, he, he built this, this little stone fireplace there, and he named it Bethel. He named it God's house so that he wouldn't forget the lesson of understanding that he wanted to get out of living life as 
relationship with God as a ceremony and enter into a life of living with God as a conversation because he wanted to live out the truth. God is with us. I'm going to pray, and then if you'd like to come, you don't have to come if you don't want. Just feel free just to, to sit there and enjoy the music. But if you feel like you want to drive a stake in the ground, you want to build an altar, like, like Jacob, you want to say, I don't want to lose this lesson. Surely God is in this place. And I didn't see it. God is in your life. God is looking at you face to face. He is so desperate for you to enjoy the relationship that he offers. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this crazy story of a pregnant teenage girl, uh, a young man who, who, who loves her as his wife, and he creates a family for you as you enter and you live in this world. Father Jesus, Jesus was a real person. He was you with a face on. He was a human being who, who lived and taught and, and gave us this, uh, this very difficult to understand but yet profound and transforming idea of what it's like to have a face-to-face -face relationship with you. What it's like not just to have a ceremonial relationship and come to meetings and, and do things and, 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 and just, it's all external, but, but what it's like to have something that, that goes to the parts of you that, the parts of us that you created, those spiritual parts what it's like to feel in the depths of our soul that you see us, that we matter to you. Thank you for reminding of this this year and every year in our life. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.